0: go ahead and come back in, find a seat, we're going to kick this party off here in just a bit. Alright, 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 alright. Hey everyone, good morning. Thanks guys. Uh, I'm doing well, thanks for asking. Uh, today is going to be... A good day. I'm just convinced of it, right? Uh, For me, it's been this this last like two weeks has been a a whirlwind. Like it feels like a hurricane has just kind of blown through my life, and nothing like bad. It's just general craziness. General craziness. Um, Yeah, it's just it's just been crazy. Uh, We we put an offer on a house. It got accepted. We have put our house on. Uh, for sale, and we have an open house today, and we've had showings this week. Uh, we had a baby shower yesterday. We, I know, I know, I know. Also, there's a baby coming, at at some point, uh, and so uh, general craziness is in full effect, and it feels like it. Uh, but today is going to be a great day because my my goal for today uh, is to allow the Bible to blow your mind. That's that's literally one of my favorite things about the Bible is that no matter how much I God? <laughs> he's, he's still singing. Sometimes worship just goes longer. Uh, one of my favorite things about the Bible is that the, the more time I spend in it, the more it blows my mind. And that that makes me want to spend more time in it so that it can blow my mind even more. Like, it, it's just awesome. And so, especially over the last, like, two years, uh, I feel like a lot of our faith, a lot of our churches, a lot of our uh, Bibles, a lot of our community groups, a lot of our uh, just, like, faith in general has kind of collected some physical and metaphorical dust, right? Like... I, I say that as a, like, confession to you, but I, I will also receive nods and yep. affirmations. Yes, Mark, we hear you. Uh, and so my my goal for today it is to give our faith, give our, just our belief, like, kind of a, a shot of adrenaline. You know, one of, one of my giftings as a, as a speaker is I, I like to raise the energy in the room uh, to like meet my own. And so I'm I'm not okay with you guys just like sitting there and being like, mm. I'm going to call you out and say, right, right? Like we're, we're going to raise the energy. That's that's uh, something that for better or for worse, I'm, I'm going to do to you today. Um, but uh, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite favorite miracles in the bible Uh, for those of you that do know me you'll understand why it's my favorite miracle for those of you that don't know me uh, just real quick i lead a wakeboard ministry uh, as my job which is awesome Uh, i i've done a, a i've owned and operated a water sports camp for 13 years i i learned to water ski when i was five years old i was the uh coach for the UT wakeboard team. I was the official driver for one of the largest uh, amateur wakeboard and water ski uh, tournament series in Texas for a handful of years. So all that being said, I've been around the water a lot. okay. And the dream superpower is to calm the water. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about Jesus calming the storm And I feel like it's really applicable because I know that there's people in our body right now that are going through or have gone through or are about to go through storms. And so my hope for today is that the Bible, this story, and the amazingness of it is going to expand our faith and prepare us to trust and look in awe at jesus for what he is capable of i want our faith to expand today so that we can endure life's darkest days and deepest storms darkest days and fiercest storms that sounds better amen Amen. sick all right so we're going to read it we're going to read the story all the way through Uh, the, the version that we're going to read, uh, is the best version. You know why? Because it's in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter four is where we're going to be. If you want to turn there, you can also, there it is. Short story, but it's a good one. Okay. So you don't have to read along with me. I'm just going to read it myself. Ready? It says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, that's Jesus, That even the wind and the waves obey him. Oh, that's awesome, right? Oh, man. Love this story. Okay, so as I said, I've been on the water my whole life. I have been on water on the good days, I've been on the water on the bad days. I've been in storms, I've, you know, I've never feared for my life. You want to know why? Because I'm comfortable in a boat. Right? How many of you drive a car? Great. Have you ever driven your car in a storm? Great. Have you ever feared that you were going to die while driving your car in a storm? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's just negate that. It's, yes, yes. Storms in Texas. Oh, scary driving. But like, really, like you're. If you've driven a car, you you're like you know you're in control for the most part. Now there's hydroplane. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like I'm going. I'm, I'm not going there. My point is, my point is, for me, I'm comfortable in a boat. I'm not. I'm not concerned about it, even in like crazy times. I know I'm in control because I've spent a ton of time there but I don't hold a candle to most of the disciples see of the disciples that were there 12 of them right uh, five of them were fishermen by trade so almost half were fishermen now the fishermen go out on boats every day right doesn't matter if it's nice If it's raining, if it's hot, if it's cold, if it's windy, if it's calm, like they are on the water every day. They have been on this body of water. They know the lake. They know the region. They have been in storms. Their job is to catch fish and bring fish home, right? They are always on the water. They're watermen, right? They know what they're doing out there. And... This storm, like, you know, it says a, a fierce squall came out of nowhere, but that's what happens in this area. If, if you know, uh, like, if you look at the topography of this region, uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is where they are, is 700 feet below sea level, okay? That's low. 30 miles to the north is Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon peaks at 9,200 feet above sea level. I know. OK, anybody been on top of a mountain before? What's the air like up on top of a mountain? It's thin. That's a great answer. It's, it's cool, right? It's usually uh, dry, right? There's not always a bunch of moisture on top of the mountain. Anybody been below sea level? No. Anybody been to the Middle East? What's it like? Hot. It is so hot. And if you're on the water, it's so humid. Okay, So you have cool, dry Mount Hermon air coming down 9,200 feet and mixing with the hot, humid air of the Sea of Galilee. And that produces, like still to this day, there are wild storms out there. They come up out of nowhere. They happen super fast. Like, these fishermen knew what was going on. They knew the drill, they knew when storms came up, like this is what you do. And so for me, if, if I'm one of those dudes in the boat, there's seven other guys in there with me, I'm taking charge, right? Hey, storm's coming, I can smell it in the air, I know, like, I get it, my knee's hurting, here we go. You guys buckle up, this is gonna be a wild one. Hey, don't worry, me and Jacob got this, the rest of you guys, get ready to watch some awesomeness because we're, we're about to steer this boat in the storm. Don't worry. But this wasn't a normal storm. This storm had fishermen who spent every day on the water terrified, scared for their lives. Water's coming over the boat. It says that the boat is almost swamped. So it got out of control very quickly. So quickly or so out of control, I should say, that these guys go and run to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you even care if we die? They were scared for their lives. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. Like, there's, there's madness happening all around them. There's multiple boats, right? Because it says there was. There's wind, there's waves, like everything is crazy. The boats are trying to stay close together, but not so close where they're like bumping into each other and hitting each other. These fishermen, these watermen, guys that are like tried and true, tested on the lake, they are scared for their lives and they run to Jesus and he's sleeping. He's with them in the boat. He's not ignoring them. He's not, like, refusing to engage. He's just sleeping. Apparently, he's not concerned. Like, what is it? Like, the, the disciples had a high view of Jesus. They knew he was capable of doing incredible things. They had probably seen him do awesome stuff earlier that day. And so... They run to him in their, like, desperation and say, Jesus, don't you even care if we die? And he was silent. Like, there's madness happening everywhere. They they are already fearing for their lives, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. His silence must have been just maddening, right? Has anybody ever felt that way? You're going through like tough stuff. And you you have a high view of Jesus. You're like, man, I know Jesus could do something right now. I believe that he's capable. But he's, he must be sleeping. Because he's not, he's not fixing this. He he's not answering my prayers right now. I'm baling water. I am trying to keep my head above the like level of life that is drowning me. Right? I felt that way. It's a terrible way to feel. Now, the disciples ask, This huge question, they run to Jesus in their time of need and they ask him, do you even care if we die? And I I believe that that one question is actually like kind of broken into two parts. And it's something that we often ask Jesus in in our time of need or we we think of these two parts of that question. And the first one is, is Jesus, do you even see me? Jesus, do you, do you even, are you aware of what is happening right now in the world? Hey, Jesus, wake up. The world is burning. Like, there is craziness happening everywhere, right? Like, are hello? Do you see this? Are you even aware of what's going on? Because in my mind, if you are if you aware of this storm, then like why haven't you done anything about it up until this point? The disciples want to know if Jesus is even aware of, of the situation. But of course he is. Right? Of course he is. We can look back at Genesis chapter 1, and we can see you know, when God formed the heavens and the earth and he, he made the world a spherical shape and then he gave it an atmosphere and then he spun that, that, uh, sphere in a circle. Yeah. Right. And then, and then he's, and then he spun that and then he pushed it in a circle and it started going like this. And then like all those elements, he, he put water vapor in the air and he, he made hot places and he made cold places. And, He he made weather, right? We know that in John chapter 1, that through him all things are made. Without him, nothing was made that that has been made. Like, we we know that he's aware of everything because he put it all in motion. That's why the wind and the waves obey him, right? Because surely they recognize his voice. He created them. He created the elements that even allow the storm, the madness to exist. So, yes, he is aware of the situation. But Jesus is able to remain calm in all of it because he knows that his power is greater than the storm. Why? Because his power created the elements that were allowed to create the storm. He's in control. He's not distant. He's in the boat. He's not ignoring them. He's just comfortable. He's in control of everything that's going on because through him all things were made. Now, the second question that the disciples say. So the first one is, hey, God, do you, do you, are you aware of what's going on? Do you see this, right? The second question is, do you even care about me? Do you care about my community? Do you care about my family? Like, are you, you say you're a personal God, but if you really cared about me, you would, you would save me right now. Right. Amen. Please, Lord. Are you a personal God? Are you an intimate God? Like, okay, you're aware of all the stuff, but are you aware of this happening to me right now in the boat, in the storm, trying my best to survive? Do you like do you care about me? That's a bigger question. They cry out, do you even care if we die? And we see that Jesus does care, right? Because when he, he doesn't wake up to the wind and the waves. He doesn't wake up to the water that is like, it's surely splashing him, right? He's getting wet. His hair's blown in the wind. But he doesn't wake up to the elements. No, he wakes up to the cries of his disciples. He answers their call, right? They they call out to him, and that is what says, oh, okay, yeah, I'm here for you. And so, you know, one of the things that, like, uh, preachers and pastors will say about this passage, it, you know, which... I'm not a huge fan of all the time. Is when you're in a storm and you're in your darkest days and you feel like the wind and the waves are crashing over you, just cry out to Jesus and he'll calm it all. Right? I did some theater in high school. You can see it. <laughs> that, that's what they say, right? And don't get me wrong. Th- that is a correct response. Right? That's that's one of the things that the disciples did right in this story. The disciples are we we know the disciples are typically doing most things wrong and we get to laugh at them for it, but they actually did something right. They ran to Jesus and they said, "Jesus, don't you even care if we die?" And he says, "Yeah, I'm awake. I'm here for you." Right? They did the right thing, and and yet, uh, I have to believe that they had no clue what was going to happen, right? If if I'm if I'm the disciples, I'm I'm running to Jesus and saying, Jesus, help me! Don't you even care if I die? Grab a bucket, like you. We've seen you do great stuff. We know that you are like. You're, you're greater than the average man, right? So use your magical powers. Bail fast, faster than we could ever think you could bail. Or like, right? And we, we know that the disciples didn't see this coming because of the reaction they had. It says before Jesus calms the storm, they were afraid, right? What were they after Jesus calmed the storm? They're terrified. Who is this who calms the wind and the waves? They didn't know how Jesus was going to do it. They had a high view of Jesus. They knew that he was able to help. They knew that he was capable of something, anything. And running to him was the right response. But they never could have imagined that he was capable of calming the storm, right? It was, it was the same thing with uh, Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Mary believed that Jesus was capable of healing sick people. When Jesus finally arrived at the town, right, she, she runs to him and said, Jesus, if you had only been here my brother would be alive. She knew Jesus was capable of healing sick people. She she probably believed that Jesus was capable of raising someone who had been dead for minutes, hours, but certainly not days, certainly not four days, wrapped in burial cloth and placed in a tomb. Mary didn't think that Jesus was capable of now raising her four-day-old dead brother. The disciples had no clue Jesus was capable of calming the storm. And through it, their faith was expanded, right? They ran to Jesus And he responded. But what happens when Jesus isn't responding? What happens when we're going through storms? I just remembered I put a cup of water behind me and I thought I was going to knock it over. (laughs) What happens when we're going through storms And Jesus isn't responding. Because man, that's frustrating. Is he silent, like as payback, for all the times that we didn't think he was capable of calming the storm? Is he, is he punishing us? <laughs> because let's face it, we deserve it, right? I deserve it. Is he absent? Is he sleeping extra hard? Is he too busy calming another storm to where hey I'll get to your storm when I get there but get it you know put it in the queue because I got a lot of storms that I got I got to calm. What do we do when Jesus is silent? Does it mean that he's unloving? Does it mean that he doesn't care? The answer is no. You knew it, I knew it. You see, studying this story this week, I, I love to focus on the storm and the miracle. But I forget about the beginning of the story when it's Jesus that says, hey guys, let's get in the boat. So if we look at this miracle not as a reaction to the unplanned, but as the actual plan, and if we believe that Jesus, who the Bible says is love, right? If we believe that Jesus is love and is loving and is caring, then we can deduce He is loving and caring by allowing the storm to exist. Because here's the crazy thing about the storm. The storm did not produce faithlessness in the disciples. The storm didn't inject doubt into the disciples. No. The storm simply revealed a faithlessness, a doubt, an area where they had not been tested, had, had not even been aware was a weakness for them. The storm brought that to the surface. It didn't produce it. It revealed it. And so here's the thing. like if Jesus really is the most caring, the most loving, the most uh, compassionate, intimate guy that we say he is, then the most loving thing that Jesus does in this story isn't calm the storm. It's allow the storm. Because while the physical storm might cause the disciples' bodily injury, maybe to physically perish. If faithlessness, if that doubt was left unchecked and was allowed to grow, to fester inside the disciples, that could lead to unbelief, which would mean eternal perish. And so, I have to believe that the most loving thing that Jesus did was allow the storm to exist in the first place, right? So often, guys, you can raise your hand on this one. So often, when, you know, the crap's on the ceiling, when, you know, a a storm is in our lives, my first instinct is calm the storm. Guys, amen? Fix it. Don't worry, I'll handle this. I'll be the hero. I'll calm the storm. But what if, what if during the storm, The biggest fight for us wasn't to calm the storm. What if the biggest fight for us was simply to remain faithful. To the one who is capable and the one who allows storms to exist. Sometimes that's way harder. It is way harder to continue to trust, to continue to, to follow Jesus when times are really hard because most of the time I want to raise my hand and say, don't worry, I got this. I think for me, one of the biggest fights is to stay faithful despite not calming the storm. And I hate that. I hate that about me. I want to calm the storm. Jesus is capable. And the disciples, their, their faith was expanded through this. They left terrified. But they looked at him and said, oh, my God, who is this man who can calm the wind and the waves? I guarantee you they followed him real close after that right? I am right on his heels, maybe with my arm around his waist. (laughs) Their faith was expanded because Jesus showed that he is more powerful than the wind, than the waves, than the atmosphere. And it caused them to follow him closer. Now, I told you that I wanted to let the Bible blow your mind today. And so I'm going to share with you, uh, as we kind of close out this time, uh, I'm going to share with you this thing that I, I read a long time ago in one of Tim Keller's books about this story. Because the gospel writer, Mark, when he was writing this story about calming the storm, he wrote it very specifically. He used like exact language. So that Jewish people of the time would hear this story about Jesus and they would immediately remember, oh, my God. I've heard this story before. And so I'm not going to make you turn there. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to like give you the quick recap of like the first 15, 16 verses of the book of Jonah. Okay. Anybody heard the book of Jonah? What's Jonah famous for? The The whale, Jonah and the whale, whale, fish, who knows, you know, but what's important is how Jonah got to the whale. Okay, so Jonah, this super godly dude, this, this prophet guy, God comes to Jonah, and he says, Jonah, my faithful servant, I want you to go and preach the gospel to the... I hit the button. I hit the ejection button. Jonah... I want you to go preach the gospel to the Ninevites, right? I'm sending you to go do that. They need to hear about my love. They need to hear about all the good things that I feel for them. And you're the man for the job. You're going to go tell them. And Jonah says, Nope, no thanks. That's not me. I don't want to do it. I don't like the Ninevites. I don't want to go. And so Jonah starts running from God. You want to know the first place he runs? Onto a boat. And he gets onto a boat with a bunch of veteran sailors. It calls them pagan sailors. Uh, So you can imagine that this is a rough-and-tumble group, but seasoned veteran watermen nonetheless. Okay? So Jonah, on the boat, runs onto the boat. Pagan sailors. They push off of port. They start sailing. And you know what happens? A storm comes up out of nowhere. Is it a small storm? No, it's a big storm. Wind, waves, thrashing all over the place. It says water is coming into the boat. Okay, but Jonah, tired from all the running, is asleep in the bottom of the boat. He's sleeping. And so the, the wind and the waves are crashing around. These veteran sailors are looking around. What do we do? It's getting way too rough. They are so scared that they run to the one who is sleeping and they say to him, what do we do? Don't you care? We're going to die. Help. And Jonah wakes up and he looks at them and he says, guys, I know why this storm is happening. My God brought this storm. And there's really only one thing that is going to get us out of this storm. And that's for you, a bunch of ragtag pagan sailors, to throw me, a prophet, into the ocean. If you want to live then I need to be the sacrifice for the wrath of God that's happening around us if you want to live I need to die so what do they do they throw him over the boat and instantly it was calm And it says that the sailors were terrified. Guys, in both of these stories, Jesus and Jonah, both of them were were men sent by God. Both of them uh, were on a boat with a bunch of ragtag sailors. Both of them were awakened by the cries of their crew. Both of them were, Ended up calming the storm. One of them, Jonah, was thrown overboard into the ocean. And he never saw that crew again. He was no longer with the dudes in the boat. But Jesus remained in the boat, he stayed with the disciples he continued to live life with them and the ironic thing is that by staying in the boat with the disciples he was actually sailing closer and closer to the cross because the storm that Jesus was dealing with on earth is a storm that happened at the beginning of time When Adam and Eve were in the garden and sin entered into the world, this storm of sin and separation started then and gained momentum and rolled all throughout history until eventually God stood up and said, Enough! And Jesus stood in between us and sin, us and separation. He shielded us from that storm so that on the other side of the cross, death couldn't reach us. We would be in the calm. And the best news is, is that he isn't overboard. He's not out in the ocean somewhere bobbing around in a fish. Jesus is alive. He is still in the boat with us. He is continuing to live life with us. Whether he's sleeping or not, we can always go to him, cry out, and he's there. He's someone to remain faithful to because he is alive. Now, some of us are going through storms right now. Our church is going through a storm right now. Our pastor is in the hospital for at least the next couple days. So, the response for today is to pray both for yourself and for others that even during the storm, that we would remain faithful. That we would believe that Jesus is capable of more than we could ever imagine. Because sometimes he brings the storm to expand our faith. So as we close, I would love us to gather back together and pray. Pray for ourselves, pray for the other people here, pray for our church, pray for the Bauer family, that the storm that they're in, it wouldn't be about them calming the storm or necessarily Jesus calming the storm for them, although we can cry out on their behalf. But it's that whenever <laughs> whenever God decides to calm this, man, I pray that we remain faithful to him who is capable of calming storms. Amen? Let's do that. So let's pray. I'll kick us off. Gather in groups. We'll pray for a couple minutes and then Jenny will close us out. Cool? So Lord, God, thank you for being a God who remains in the boat. God, thank you for being so awesome, so mind-blowing, where you show us through through stories in the Bible that you came to fulfill and expand upon and, and make these stories even greater so that we might know how much you love us, how powerful you are. Lord, we pray for the storms that are going on right now. God, we we cry out for help. We pray that you would calm them. But Lord, even if you remain sleeping, we pray that we would continue to remain faithful to he who calms the storm. We love you, Jesus. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. So let's take a couple seconds to pray. And then Jenny will call us to stand and sing to close us out.